1: Welcome to this week's show, everyone. It is Thursday, August 23rd. We've got a busy day of topics. Got MLB division races, the Dodger bullpen woes. I'm going to tell you about a 400 hitter in baseball. We could talk about rookie quarterbacks and the helmet rule, NFL openers, match play in golf, and the Travers. But first, we begin with the Ohio State situation. Gino, The press conference, in my opinion, yesterday was completely botched from top to bottom from the perspective of no accountability whatsoever, whether it be athletic director Gene Smith, Urban Meyer. What did you think of the press conference before we get into the punishment levied? Uh, I think it's embarrassing,
2: to be honest, Uh, even not discussing the punishment whatsoever, The way that Urban Meyer responded, Um, if some of you out there have not seen the video, you have to go and watch it. I I mean, he looked like somebody who was forced to be in that room, Mike. He really did. He looked like somebody who they had written a statement out for him. They were forcing him to read it. He had zero remorse. He looked like a guy who didn't care, really. He looked like he was upset that he was even being suspended for three games and that he's better than this and that he doesn't deserve this. I it's mean, funny
1: you say that because Paul Feinbaum, I think his quote was it looked like somebody had a gun to his head yeah. as he's reading the statement, you know? It's embar- It was
2: embarrassing for uh, a top-notch organization like Ohio State. They are one of the best uh, football programs in the country each and every year. For them to not take – this and, and use it as an example going forward. I mean, we're not talking about one little thing here either. And Mike, we could spend a full hour show. We could probably spend two or three hours just breaking down the reports. I mean, Absolutely. if you if you look at the report and you see all of the findings they had, I, this wasn't a one time thing. He this was a, a massive cover up. And the, the biggest thing that I have and, and, I, and I ask, was it worth it? Why would you go to all these lengths to cover up a wide receivers coach who obviously have problems? Why? I mean, if the guy's your friend and he's someone that you're trying to help, that's one thing. But you don't necessarily need to put him in this position to help him. You could help him on your own. You could get this guy into, which they've said, Urban Meyer tried to get him... You know, uh, substance abuse help Tried to get him help multiple times Now we're hearing that Urban Meyer says Well, oh, I, I didn't really know him though Other than than, uh, than, as a You know, as an employee He had a, rela- a complete which, relationship. which is absolute nonsense, by I the mean, way you Anything know? that he said was absolute crap Really Now what we found out yesterday is Apparently uh, Apparently now he has some sort of Memory issue I, they, they, They've actually said that he forgets things that he once remembered. I mean, if you read what, what Ohio State actually put out as findings, it is it it reads like something that would have been written on Saturday Night Live as a joke.
1: It really <laughs> no does. Kidding. You're right. You're right. It's an absolute joke, you know, all the way around. Uh, when you say why, uh, first of all, it's complete BS. You know, I don't know the, the details of, of how close they actually are, but- We know that the wives are friends. We know that his grandfather was a very, very important person to Urban, a mentor of his, helped him tremendously in this business. So,
2: I uh, got fired from Florida or Zach got arrested while at Florida in 2009 for domestic abuse, and that Urban Meyer never mentioned that to Ohio State when he brought him in to get hired. And, yes. you know, Ohio State did a background check and they didn't find they did background checks, quote, unquote, background checks on all of this stuff and didn't find any of it. You're, and they didn't find any any issue of uh, any instances of arrest between then and now, even though he just got arrested and the police report was put out by McMurphy last night. Ohio State was trying to call the media on things and the media said, you know what? We ha- we found all this stuff. We're going to put it right back out and put it right back in your face.
0: It's kind of funny because
1: some people say, well, he was never really convicted. But the thing is, I mean, all of us have applied for a job at some point in our lives or for a college application or law school application or whatever the case may be. And a lot of times, most of the time, it does ask, have have you been been charged? Not necessarily convicted. The next question is, have you been convicted? Have you ever been charged of any any criminal activity? Right. And I, I believe he's got maybe a DUI or something alcohol related. Sure. I mean. You know, here's the thing. My guess on how this actually played out was Urban hears from his wife that his wife, Shelly, that Courtney had kind of been had been battered. Okay. Urban takes Zach to a corner, puts his arm around him and says, man, you got to treat your wife better. Zach tells him, I'm not going to ever do that again. He's maybe teary-eyed, a little bit remorseful, and he says, okay, we're going to keep this just between you and I. But this has happened over a six- or seven-year period. Urban was really serious about making sure that Courtney never is touched again. He should have immediately taken Zach to get help. And it's not just help with his anger. It's also help with alcohol because apparently when he drinks, he's got a big issue. And for me, the icing on the cake was the text message that Shelly Meyer sent to Urban, and I'm quoting here, and this is put out by Kyle Rowland. He's with the Toledo Blade, covers Ohio State. It says, quote, I am worried about Zach's response. This is his response, by the way, to getting fired. I'm worried about Zach's response. He drinks a lot, and I'm just not sure how stable he will be. Afraid he will do something dangerous. It's obvious he has anger, rage issues already urban did not respond
2: i mean it's just like there were so many signs too there it's just not worth keeping someone like this on your staff when this person is supposed to be shaping young kids is this a good influence for your 18 19 20 year old impressionable kids that are coming in getting ready to to you know change their life and hopefully become a professional football player this is just not worth it it's not and this day and age, Mike, in this climate right now, when the assault and the sexual abuse and all that stuff is so out there, I mean, let's be honest, this just swept through Hollywood have we seen really any of those people, the directors, the actors they're all in some big trouble right now I haven't seen any of them resurface really any of the ones that got trouble this would not have happened if this was not Urban Meyer, or I'm saying Urban Meyer or Nick Saban nobody else gets through this, none I mean if this is a 6 and 6 coach from last year they're firing him they don't even do any investigation like this none of this is even done this guy was fired would
1: have been fired a month ago so I let's mean, get it- into the punishment then what what, what- it was three games, for those who have not been keeping up with uh, the news in the last 18 hours or so. Three-game suspension, first three games of the season, which we all know in college football usually are some of the Mickey Mouse games. I briefly saw the schedule in the first three games, but I can't recall. They only Typically play, speaking,
2: it's not that tough. They only play TCU. Yeah, okay. it's, it's Oregon State. They play two cupcakes, and then the TCU game, they basically suspended him for one game because okay. that's going to be the game that really matters. And, I mean, I, what this is the problem. Even Urban didn't do anything, right? Neither did neither really did Joe Paterno. I kn- the, these situations are very similar in that they knew a lot more. They did not handle the situation well. And the key is, if this is your head of football, if this is your figurehead, the person who is the highest paid employee in the state, they have to be held to higher standards. Plain and simple. He's a period. CEO.
1: He's no, a CEO, highest no paid about. player in the state, like you said. He's a you know public employee, and I, I think you hit it on the head a few moments ago when you were talking about the student athletes that are involved. Because as a parent, I don't want to send my kid to an environment where you're talking about these like really old school mentality type of football coaches that are just cussing and drink cussing like sailors, getting drunk every night, beating up their wives. It's not an environment that I want to put my kids through. You know, so this is a big-time breach also for the student athlete. And unfortunately, they're the ones that get penalized. They get a massive distraction going into the start of the season, and it's just not fair to them. It really, really sucks. Very, very selfish on Urban Myers' part. You know, I want to skip over the penalty for one second, because I've heard a lot about what's this going to do to this legacy and all that kind of talk. Who gives a shit, right? No, you're Excuse right. My French. I no, mean, you're right. Who cares what it's going to do you, to his he legacy? I he mean,
2: said to the, when he, when his apology yesterday, they asked him, what would your words be for the victim? And you know what he said? I'm sorry that we are in this situation, a message for everyone involved. I'm just sorry that we are in this situation. He didn't use her name. He didn't say anything personally to her. He didn't say I messed up for you. I should have done better for you. I'm sorry about this. I want to find a way to help and make this situation as best that I can. None of that. None of that. He didn't mention it at all. That's the the most disrespectful thing that you can ever do. When someone is a victim, to not mention them by name and to not give them the respect of talking to them as a person, that is a slap in the face.
0: It's
1: chicken bleep.
2: It really is. And all of the stuff before that. Was bad, but when you saw his response, that was when I mean they're going to be massive protests at Ohio State. I don't think they're quite ready for what what's going to happen. I don't think they really believe, and I I really hope this does not blow blow over. And I hope that the I've seen a lot of females out there that are really really pushing the anti Ohio State case, and I hope that is the case because this is not cool. This isn't a, a cheating incident where you know being a USC fan, you you know you had some illegal you know, money between one player and another, you paid for this, you paid. This is nothing like that. This is real, real stuff. And that's where it gets tricky because this isn't necessarily stuff that happened on the football field, but you look at Zach Smith and you continue to read about it. He didn't show up multiple times for recruiting trips. I mean, if that was you or I, Mike, or someone else, they get fired. You don't show up. You get fired. It doesn't matter. Plain and simple. He ran a six hundred dollar tab at a strip club. Then he tried to hide it. They had to change the entire policy and the way they write their rules to include that you can't go to strip clubs and there should be nothing pornographic involved. I mean, I'm not trying to be like I'm not a conservative person, Mike. I'm not trying to be some square here who's saying like, I don't know. I don't not going to take a player out and have a drink, or you're not going to have a drink if you're under 21 and stuff. I, I get it. You know, not everything is going to be above board, but when you're at Ohio state like this, you can't let this stuff can't come out. If you it can't does act like an thought, 18 year old, you can't act thought. like
1: a, you know, you're an adult. You can't act like an 18 year old. You're a professional, professional at the highest level of college football. And you, you know, I, not I'm going to say something fired. about on the flip side of, of the, of the coins, you know, you know, you're talking about this in terms of, you know, having a drink and that kind of thing and not conservative. But let me flip it around and say this, with regards to this bigger issue, domestic violence, and the, we, we can all agree that there's a much greater sense of um, awareness let, awareness, and also maybe a sensitivity to a lot of sure. topics. The, yeah. the, you know, the PC police is out full force. I'm not one of those types me neither, at all. This in fact, situation I'm kind of not different. really even that PC at all. I, to me, I, I kind of get a little bit annoyed by it. and That's a whole different too. story. But this is different. This is a moral issue. Yeah. This isn't a PC thing. This isn't a feminist issue. This is just being a decent human being. It's all it's about.
2: And and, in like 15 years ago, maybe he could have been around because there wasn't so much out there about this. Right. But right now, in the last year in particular, with everything that's happened in all the different situations with all the actors and the directors and the producers that have been getting it and all the people that have been coming forward and Ohio state just says, you know what? Yeah, you're right. They, they admitted at the end of the report, they admitted, they admitted, although neither urban Meyer nor Gene Smith condoned or covered up the alleged domestic domestic abuse, they failed to take sufficient management action relating to Zach Smith's midconduct and retained an assistant coach who was not performing as an appropriate role model. Permitting such misconduct to continue is not consistent with the values in the universities and reflects poorly on Coach Meyer, A.D. Smith, and the university. Their handling of this matter did not exhibit the kind of leadership and high standards we expect. So then why do you just suspend them three games? I mean, that, that paragraph sounds like that's why we've decided to release them. <laughs> Instead, we're going to just suspend them for three games without pay, which is literally any person that you talk to that is not an Ohio State fan. Their response is how you and I are responding right now. And almost any person that you talk to that is an Ohio State fan is saying, oh, well, he didn't really do anything, so three games is fine.
1: Yeah, he didn't do it. He didn't commit the acts. You he know. didn't do it himself. Yeah. He
2: admitted it. He said he's sorry, but, but he forgot stuff. He lied multiple times. Now we just don't know anything about what he says is true. How do you believe a guy like that going forward? And just like you said, how do you as a parent – Bring your 16, 17, 18-year-old kid to sit down and have a meeting with him or some of his staff and, and truly believe what this guy is selling you.
1: And you know what? I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not here to judge anyone. And uh, I have great resp- respect for everybody's beliefs, personal beliefs, religious beliefs, etc. Urban Meyer's really gone out of his way to try to uh, you know, show the world that he's uh, a good Christian example. Uh, th- to me, this, and like I said, I'm not judging him. Uh, I'm not saying that he's not a good Christian. I'm just saying this behavior is not reflective of what he's trying to put out there. Now, yeah. like you said at the top of the show, we could probably talk about this for hours upon hours, and we have to keep things moving. Let's, let's finish up with this. What do you think the punishment should have been?
2: I think, I, honestly, you had to have made a change right then.
1: You so had termination. to have him you and, think and hands down AD, termination? I think,
2: hands down, AD, he had to go. Smith had to go. They both had to go. No doubt about it. You, there's just too much out there right now, too much negative, where you just can't clean, like, clean the
1: slate from this. It, you it, know what I would be- liked to have seen? I want to see a positive. Like you said, too much negative. Uh, why, why can't these guys ever do anything that's so unselfish? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, ha- to. Uh, well, well let, my, me have, salary, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. Donate
2: my salary. I don't know. Something. I, yeah,
1: that's exactly what I was going to say. We, we, we're, we've discussed this. We've figured the best thing overall for our student athletes and for society at large is Urban Meyer is going to donate his entire year's salary to battered women, to shelters for women, for educating men and rehab for men who are guilty of domestic violence violations. That's my thought about it. So let's do this, Gino. Why don't we take an early break? I like that call. And, and we get Caleb back. Yeah, and then come back and we're going to be joined by TVG's Caleb Keller, talk a, from a Travers. very good friend of the show. We'll talk some Travers and we're going to shift to more of a positive message because like you said, we could talk about this for hours. It's deserving of that. We only have an hour show, so please stay with us. We will be back in a few short moments and we're going to shift the focus to the Travers.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television?
2: Let us surprise you.
0: Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
3: Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel
0: your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Transitioning from our Urban Meyer discussion into our horse racing discussion. Travers Day at Saratoga this weekend on Saturday. Six grade ones and a grade two. There are two million dollar races. We have the Jerkins, the Personal Ensign, the Ballerina, the Forgo, the Sword Dancer, the Travers. And we have some big names showing up this weekend. But we have a big name joining us right now on the show, a very good friend of mine from TVG. You see him really all over the place. Los Alamitos, when Keelan comes around, he holds down the fort there. He can report now. He can be the analyst. He can play the host card. He is a jack of all trades on TVG. One of the nicest guys you'll meet, an excellent handicapper, and he's on the way down to Del Mar right now, Caleb Keller. You'll find him on Twitter, at CalebTVG. How's it going, buddy?
1: What's up, Caleb?
2: Hey guys, Mike, thanks
4: for having me back on, and I love the banter there, uh, going to the commercial break, and Gino, you know I always love the emphasis and the tone of your voice, you mean what you say, so good stuff there into the break.
2: (laughs) Thank you, buddy, well, uh, Caleb and I love to talk racing, and we will, uh, if it's just Caleb and I talking racing, we'll probably go on for hours, and and nobody really else could get a word in, so we'll have to kind of focus and harness this energy, the controlled frenzy today, to talk a little bit about the Travers, but I will say, Caleb, so far in the summer, generally it's the battle that people have between Del Mar and Saratoga. And I think most of the years when it comes to quality, field size, um, depth of races, Saratoga probably gets gets the the victory most years. It's been a little bit of a struggle this year with the weather. Some of the stakes raising haven't been that great. But that does not look like the case on Saturday. I mean, we have a big, big day. There are a lot of big names out there. The stars are shining up. You have a couple small fields, but then you have a couple really nice betting races. So, I expect this to be the biggest day of the meet on Saturday at Saratoga.
4: No, it is, guys. It's a Mega Bonanza Day, and that's what New York has really um, come to bring the fans. You talk about Belmont Day, uh, Stars and Stripes Day. They really condense a lot of great racing into one event, and I would probably agree with you. This is the first time i felt like in a while that maybe Del Mar has got the upper hand based on on quality and just overall uh, betters appeal. And, you know, the weather, you can't affect that in Saratoga. I think that some betters have have been a little bit upset that they they keep on, like, hanging on to these main track onlys and and making these scratches and changes in the middle part of the card, which is not fun uh, when you're trying to line out multi-race bets. But all that being said, now we come back on Saturday. Let's hope for great weather. And I think one day, can maybe make up for an entire
2: meet where we struggle with weather and field size. Well, uh, let's uh, let's jump right into the big one, the Grade 1 Travers, the Midsummer Derby, mile and a quarter at Saratoga, $1.25 up for grabs. It's going to go as race number 11 on Saturday. And when you start and you break down this race and you're talking about it, I mean, you really got to start with good magic because it's tough to knock a horse like good magic, Caleb. He was defeated a couple times by Justify And I, I, as uh, a better, I was not really a huge good magic guy, I think, until the Preakness. When I saw him take that shot at Justify, and he kind of was battling him all the way up the inside, and then he faded a little bit, I liked the tactics. To me, that was when I said, this is a real racehorse. And he's going to try to do something that Baffert hasn't been able to do, and that a lot of really good horses have failed at doing, trying to win the Haskell and then come right back and win the Travers.
4: You know, one word that I would attach to Good Magic is honest. I mean, he is as honest as they come. Uh, he runs his race every time. Uh, he shows a bunch of ability from the beginning. Even though he got beat by just a low-average horse on debut, uh, he still ran a good second. They go to a stakes race for a second, and eventually, as we all know, went to the Breeders' Cup and broke his maiden there uh, in a world championship. So when I evaluate him as a favorite, you know, there's four spots in the Super, obviously, and he's, of course, going to take one of them. I cannot see him running poorly. Now, you might say, well, look, he's a favorite, and he should, but look at a couple years ago when your favorite was Exaggerator. You know, you were either with Exaggerator, you liked him, you didn't think that he, you know, you thought that he could run without pace or he could run on a fast track or a wet track, but if you didn't like him as the favorite, then he might go missing, which he did. He ran 11. So, Good Magic is going to be one of those uh, key horses. Yes, he'll be the favorite. No, I don't think that he has to win, but he's so honest, he's never missed the super, and he's going to run a quality race. So even as a favorite, I feel like there might be some stories after the event that somebody hit a big ticket by King Good Magic, and maybe they uh, got fortunate that maybe he was second or third or even down to fourth, and they got the correct numbers with him. So he is going to run his race. I would call him a slight favorite to win it. I've never been over the moon about Good Magic uh, against this crop, even though, the crops are starting to lighten up a little bit with Justify and, and Audible and some of these horses defecting from the trail. So he's as honest as they come and he will be there late. Not necessarily positive though, that puts him in the winter circle.
2: Well, let's talk about uh, one of the horses who was kind of a, a wild card horse last time. Nobody really knew what to think about Gronkowski because there was all this buzz about Gronkowski. He was supposed to run in the Derby. He wasn't able to run in the Derby. Nobody really knew what to expect from this horse. He had been impressive, but when you're talking about horses that come from overseas in their main track form, we never know how that's going to stack up with horses here on the dirt. If horses have been running on the synthetic or the grass, it's just completely different. But wow, was Gronkowski impressive in that Belmont. There were a couple moments, Caleb, where it looked like he was going to win the race. I mean, I thought he was going to go by Justify at maybe two different points when he was making his big sustained run. Haven't seen him since that Belmont. What are your thoughts on a horse like Gron- Gronkowski for Chad Brown?
4: Well, you know, he, he shocked me and a lot of people. Uh, I, I do think from a pedigree standpoint, I was, you know, I, I'll admit I was definitely like most against him in the Belmont. Uh, you know, he's got turf on top of Lonro. You look at his second dam, his horse named Iridescent, who was second in the Beverly D. So kind of turf and turf. But you look at that, at that inside sectional, he went from 10th to 3rd, basically in the turn. You know, he passed seven horses in a couple hundred yards. So he was giant. Uh, you know, we were just joking about him. Everybody said how he'd be uh, a horse that will help out takeout if he gets to the Derby because he's got no chance. Yeah. He'll want to bet his name. So those those are the positives. He did run huge. He did beat a Vino Rosso and a Hofburg, which I think maybe the verdict's still out on how good they are. But maybe some drawbacks, though, are he's missed time before the Belmont in the Derby and he's missed time after, which is never great. And also, Jose Ortiz is riding at such an elite level. I would... You know, Tim and his brother and probably a gap back to third. But Jose Ortiz is so good. When he gets off a horse like Gronkowski in the Belmont, you gotta wonder how much he, he moved him up. Uh, end of the day, huge race, took him off the pace, he ran a victory. So I, I do have much more respect for him now, but still you lose Ortiz, you miss some time. There are some things to be decided, but of course wild cards would be the right word for him.
1: Caleb, I wanna ask you about another foreign invader, and that's Mendelssohn. There was a lot of hype about Mendelssohn when he first arrived to the States coming off the 18th length victory in the uh, UAE Derby. At, in the Kentucky Derby, uh, you know, he was banged around a bit and eased, went off at a uh, hair under seven to one. And then uh, in the grade three, Dwyer went off at, as the uh, favorite and, uh, you know, looked decent, but kind of faded down the stretch, finished third, but was like nine and a half lengths out, I believe. What are your thoughts about Mendelssohn? Ryan Moore comes back out again. Uh, is this a horse that maybe could be one of those sneaky types to put into the, uh, you know, exotics, uh, your 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 vertical wagers, et cetera, or maybe even consider on the win end? I was okay. gonna say, Mike, did you hear how yeah. silent he was? He yeah, like I was gonna Pendleton say, not at all. I'm <laughs> like, he's not into that horse whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, we got
1: Caleb. I'm
4: sorry for
1: I was no going to say, worries, I'm not sure if you heard anything that I said or not, but I was basically getting your thoughts on uh, on Mendelson, who obviously came here with a lot of fanfare and uh, has you know disappointed a couple of times. Ryan Moore comes back out. You know, what are your thoughts at 12 to one?
4: First of all, guys, sorry for dropping you. I guess it's like a tradition, when I call him the show, I'm always on the road. Uh, we we're talking <laughs> no last time, but for Mendelson, guys, let me say this about Mendelson. I, I I really avoided uh, a train wreck of a derby tape with Mendelson. Uh, we've all had him. Uh, I've had horrible derby picks. I've had great ones. Everybody's had, you know, either or, right? So this year, um, as it got closer, I was really enthralled with Mendelssohn. You know, that that time in the UAE Derby, um, you know, if you compare that to a fast track, mile 316, the freakness, basically, yeah, he went as fast as, you know, a Rachel Alexander or a California Chrome. Now, I get it. You know, we're comparing two different tracks. But same distance, fast track, I mean, no way around it. He lowered the track record by two seconds. But... As we got to the week of the Derby, I really depend on a guy named Kerry Thomas, who does this herd, herd uh, profiling technique, and he, he really dives into the mental makeup of these horses, and he did not rate Mendelssohn very high. He said that this horse was a little bit too forward-oriented, he burned a little bit too hot, he needed to lead a little bit too bad, he really couldn't come up, uh, overcome much early trouble like Bushstone in the Kentucky Derby, so... Uh, luckily, uh, you know, I was. We're talking Monday of the Derby, and I'm looking to, to make my winning case for Mendelssohn. And after reading the report and hearing Brian Moore after um, the UAE Derby, saying, hmm, you know, he's got speed, but don't know how much stamina. I basically got off of him, and I'm um, I'm very thankful for that because I had all the things lined up for why to pick him. So he comes back with an OK effort. For the Goliath third um, wasn't wasn't show stopping. He got out finished by Seven trumpets. So I think. I'm glad that he's here to, to you know, enjoy his presence, but I think that he's going to be forward oriented, and, and I'm still um, going to take the stance that I got the week of the Derby and, and pretty strongly be against him again.
1: Okay, and another, another interesting horse, the first Philly since 1979 to be running into Travers. Obviously, uh, you know, has had some pretty good success with her recently in Canada, and I'm talking about Wonder Gadot.
4: Yeah, you know, I'll tell you guys, Wonder Gadot was, was a real key for me. The best race I've hit all year was the Kentucky Oaks. Right now, I'll say the year before the worst race I had all year was the Kentucky Oaks. So it's funny how <laughs> the, uh, the the racing has a tendency to even out. One yeah. thing I to though, even even though she struggled to win races or maybe wasn't hanging, seconds and thirds no wins. Her thoroughbred numbers going into the Oaks were great because she was a victim of some really really wide trips. So I thought that she was live, and, and, and you know she runs a big second. Now she's come back with the two wins in Canada, and it looks like. The blinkers that really woke her up. You know, she went from kind of hanging back and not passing to all of a sudden winning a couple of races by five. But in the same way that the Thorographs pointed her towards a big race in the Oak, I think is the exact same way that Thorographs are pointing against a, a big run here in the Travers. You know, she's the one of the, of the top contenders that I'm playing against. It is tough to go against IR Ortiz in this long of a race. They're talking when the money's down. But I look at those two races and the, the try was the same thing both times. You know, your cooler mic and a head, a head by a century, those are kind of house horses, Ontario bred. They're okay, but I don't think the blinkers sprung this horse to life. I think that good setup in very poor field did, and now I think they're working with a little inflated confidence with Wonder Godot. She is speed-oriented and talented, so I got a, a bad feeling that maybe she'll get sucked along for the ride into what might be a hotter pace than people think. So Wonder Godot uh, will be my play against in the race.
2: Well, we talked about most of the, the major contenders in here. So, who uh, or how are you going to approach this race from a wagering standpoint? Who are some of the horses you're going to key in on?
4: You know, I surprised myself uh, in, in looking at this race. Sometimes you get, a, you get a first instinct, and you dig a little deeper, and that can change. And that really did happen to me in this race, because originally I was against Wanderer Godot, dug a little deeper, I felt the same. Originally, I was against Catholic Boy, dug a little deeper, and I don't feel the same. Uh, with Catholic Boy... You know, I've never been a big fan of the turf-to-dirt crossover, but this is a horse who, you know, when I watched those races against Analyze, it was kind of a slow pace. He did outfinish him gamely, but I didn't know how to take it. But the more I looked at this horse and the trajectory, the more a Derby throw it out. You know, that was his effort on the dirt, and, and he came out of the race with some blood, coughed up. Okay, I'm tossing the race. The remson was, well, it wasn't strong. But granted, Avery Allen came back to win his next start in a little stake, but the key for me... Is how, what I've seen from him in the morning. And, you know, XBTV, you can watch these workouts. And I watched his last two work. And I'm interested to see what the clockers would have to say. But I thought that the last one, the solo drill, I, I would be surprised if it's not going to be an A minus. I mean, they he worked 48 in chase, and they were holding him into the turn, waiting, waiting, waiting. He was very patient. He wasn't ranked. He, he was on a real stiff hold. And the minute they lowered his hands, this horse literally took off out around the turn, giant gallop out. Symmetrical stride, uh, just looked so beautiful coming home and his energy passed the wire. So I think he's always been a good workhorse. You know, you don't want to get fooled by those. You know, he was kind of the the wise guy horse at the Breeders' Cup, but he did back it up. You know, he almost won the Breeders' Cup juvenile term. I think he's better on dirt. Let's not forget to Costellano, his jockey. Javier Costellano, guys, had one of the most impressive, you know, streaks in one race I've ever seen. He won five of his first seven Travers. Five of his first seven, and one of the losses, he finished second on the Road. So, Keen Ice getting beat, Stay thirsty Bernardini, Javier Castellano, maybe the Ortizes have backed him up a little bit. But I look at Wonder, I look at Wonder Godot, so I'm a little bit against the wild card. But as I dug deeper, I think Catholic Boy is at an all-time high. He's got a jockey who's got no nobody's got a better record than him in the race. I think Good Magic is as honest as could be. But I'm gonna stack it up straight here. I like Catholic Boy and Good Magic here. I'll I'll try a couple of bets where I have Catholic Boy on top, Good Magic at second, and at That, maybe Good Magic a little bit down in third and fourth. But the more I looked at it and those final words, I'm picking Catholic Boy, the Travers.
2: We have so Caleb, Caleb, Caleb are you uh... TVG. We're going to let him go in just a minute. But we have a caller, Caleb. We have someone who called in with a question for you um, about the Travers. And I think uh, we can get to that caller. We have Gary in Orlando. Is that right? Yes. That's Gary, right. you have a question for Caleb. Go ahead. Uh, Yes, I have a uh, question, Cale. It's about
4: basketball. Um, I hear we have in Indiana a guy from your home area. Do you think it'd be worth uh, renewing the Big
3: Ten network for this season?
4: And this is Gary on the line, correct, Uh, from Orlando?
3: Gary from Orlando. All right, well,
4: how about this? I've got to say this to tie it all together. First of all, I've got one uncle on my mom's side whose name is Gary, and he lives in Orlando, so... Uh, Gary, I can tell you, we used to go down to Orlando all the time, love the area. I can remember, speaking of basketball, I know they had the Mickey Mouse on the top of the water tower. I can remember when they had the Horace Grant goggles on Mickey <laughs> Mouse when he was playing for the Magic. But, Gary, let me tell you this. Please, right now, call your cable provider and get that Big Ten Network, because Indiana has got the best recruit of my lifetime coming in to play in Bloomington this year. His Romeo Langford. He grew up one town over from me. He's been an absolute superstar in the community since he was a freshman. He's got an own court named after him. And he had to wait for literally, guys, hundreds and hundreds of autographs and pictures and babies to hold after every single game. We're talking about an absolute rock star. Indiana's finally got the right coach, in Archie Miller that's defense-oriented, and I feel with all my heart that this is the best recruit we've ever had in my lifetime in Indiana. So, Big Ten Network,
2: go ahead and re up it, Gary all righty good stuff from gary in orlando yeah, caleb, thank you very that. very popular on the line today mike you have anything else for caleb
1: before we let him go yeah I, one more thing it, it just you know I, and i think gino's probably heard me say this uh you know with every big race involving these guys i just really like the santana ask tandem and i keep looking at tenfold i'm trying to make a case for tenfold i like what he did in the gym dandy you know uh they're they're just sneaky and at an eight to one, I'm very tempted to include in, in a lot of my plays. You, you have a quick thought on tenfold, Caleb? Well, guys, tenfold's got a
4: lot of natural ability, and I go back to his first start. One thing I love about his first start, he went two turns. You know, almost every horse, even even your American Pharaohs of the world, irrigates are going to start sprinting. So he started going two turns, and he went to the lead, and broke away from the field. So you can tell from the beginning with pedigree and the way that he did it, that he had a lot of talent. Now, one thing I do really feel strongly about Tenfold, there's been two races in his short career. Remember, he's basically an Apollo horse. He didn't run it, too. There's been two races that the timing was really bad. The first one was the Arkansas Derby. I think Aftison really liked him. And, you know, just off of a, a maiden and an allowance, you're not ready to beat Magnum Moon or even, you know, a, a Solemnius who's just okay or a clip. He just wasn't ready, and he still ran an okay fifth. You know, people forget he was about three-quarters of a way from, from finishing second, and then he would have probably got to the Derby. We'd look at him different. That's the first one I didn't like the timing. The second one I didn't like the timing was going to the Belmont. Because if you look at it, the horses that come from the Prignance to the Belmont almost always disappoint, minus, of course, an American Pharaoh or a Justified, your new-time you know, horse for the ages, right? So those two races, when he didn't run his best, best, fifth, and fifth, I didn't like the timing of them. I did like the timing with Jim Dandy. He won it with a little green. Maybe, the, maybe the, the drawbacks were, you know, he's still right there with that 93 buyer, which you're know, you probably, probably going to need 100 to win this race. And his workout with Meistermind, who's in the race, was just okay. You know, but as you said, you never see a flashy work from those guys. So I was maybe a bit disappointed that he only came out with a 93 buyer. But I will say this, if you like Tenfold and you've liked him all along, this is a race where you can like the timing. Did not like it on three weeks into Belmont. Did not like it first time in the stakes in, in the Arkansas Derby. So I think they're finally trying to space out his campaign, and this is a good spot to really see what he's got.
2: Our good friend Caleb Keller from TVG. You can find him on Twitter at CalebTVG. He will talk horse racing with you. And as we heard from the caller, he'll love to talk basketball with you, in particular college basketball. So we'll get you back in again soon, Caleb, and we'll talk more racing and we'll talk more uh, and preview the uh, the college basketball season coming up in Indiana. Uh, so you're, you will be working uh, at Del Mar today. And then you said you got a little bit of a vacation coming up, right?
4: Today, yep, and I'll be working there tomorrow, and then uh, back to the studio post-Travers, and then uh, my mom and sister are coming in from Indiana, so uh, it would be nice to have a little touch at home. And, and one last thing for our guy, Gary, in Orlando. I was real happy that he called in, not sure if I mentioned the name, but Romeo Langford. And I'm telling you, this could be an all-timer for Indiana, so that's the name that we're going to be really looking forward to coming up for college basketball. Great stuff. Good stuff. I'm
1: actually going to look him up uh, right after the show here. I'm kind of curious about him. Sounds a awesome. uh, Very, very intriguing prospect. Thank you for that insight, Caleb. Thank you for joining us. Drive safe down to Del Mar, and we'll we'll turn on the TV and uh, hear what you got for us later today at Del Mar.
4: Good luck, buddy. Bye, guys. As always, thank
0: y'all. Thank you, Fair Gino. Enough. Let's
1: take a let's take our next commercial break right now, and then come back and talk to Shap about the remainder of the Traverse Day card. Stay Daddy with us. Shapiro. We'll be back in a quick moment.
2: at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football.
4: Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football.
0: This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 Or send an email to Mike at show.com Now, back to this week's program.
1: Mike and Gino here continuing with our Travers Day conversation. We are now joined by friend of the show, from Twin Spires, Scott Shapiro. Scott, before we dive into the Saratoga card, wanted to ask you a follow-up to a question that I'd asked you uh, at the beginning of the meet, which is, uh, I was asking you for some angles and you were telling me about you know, some of the, the, the connections that come from Kentucky and your thoughts about that. Now that we're several weeks into the meet, uh, more than you know, three quarters of the way through, uh, what are the angles that have kind of stood out for you up until this point?
3: Well, I think if I remember, again, good to be back, guys. Thanks for having me, of course. I'm excited for the uh, card on Saturday and the last couple uh, weeks of the meet. And, uh, Mike, to answer your question, I think one thing that we spoke out, and I heard you kind of bring it up briefly to Caleb before I came on, the Ricardo Santana uh, train has uh, definitely landed in Saratoga. I think, you know, he doesn't get all the live meets outside of the Steve Asmussen ones, but I think he's proven to uh, everyone at this point that he's amongst the best riders around, and, Uh, just been, you know, he can get out of the gate, as we mentioned, and he can finish, which are two of the most important things. And he's got a pretty good clock in his head. So uh, it's been great to see him and and Asmussen, obviously, has had a very strong meet. Um, as far as other angles, it's been hard to have any real feel for the track with all the rain. The one thing um, that, I think we, I think we spoke about the turf sprints a little, and that's worked out pretty well using kind of tactical speed horses to the outside. Yep. Um, I think you can see more things need to go right when you're along the inside in those sprint races, unless you're just dead speed. So those are the ones that have come to mind. But like I said, having real angles and biases has been tough with the ever-changing surfaces.
2: Before we get into the specifics about the Saturday card, there was one question that came for Scott Shap over on uh, on Facebook. And this was very similar to the question that was uh, asked to Caleb. And it's not about horse racing at all, but this one's from Gary Gary Molini that says, I've got a question for Schaap. Is this the year his Badgers get over the hump and make a legit run at a national title? The one thing I'll notice, Scott, again, it looks like the schedule is in your favor again this year.
3: Yeah, you know, I'm always reluctant to get excited. We've had a couple years where we've been in the top five to ten, maybe at the beginning of the year. They've never been our best seasons, um, And of course, yes, the schedule's in our favor. It's almost always going to be with, you know, the way the, the unbalanced schedule is and our side of the, the, the conference with uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State all being on the other side. You know, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic, is what I'll say. I, I you know, going undefeated is what we're going to have to do given our schedule, and uh, we've had a couple bumps in the radar here with the receiver Cephas with some getting in some trouble, and then Danny Davis apparently another one of our receivers was involved in some way. He's going to be out the first two games, so a little concerned, but we're definitely loaded as always on the offensive line. Uh, hopefully, we can Alex Hornerbrook can uh, play the type of quarterback he did in the uh, Orange Bowl last year, and we can. Fill in the holes on defense where we've lost a number of players.
1: I don't know if you saw the show yesterday, but Kirk Herbstreit had his college football kickoff show, and uh, he gave uh, Wisconsin some really, really high marks. And I believe he had them in Ohio State as the uh, you know the final two to duke it out. So um, you know, for whatever it's worth, I think uh, Herbie's usually pretty spot on when it comes to this kind of stuff. So hopefully, they can kind of battle through some of those uh, off-field issues and and, and other stuff, uh, and have themselves a nice bang out year.
3: Yeah, it's always uh, it's kind of uh, odd. We're not really known for, or you know, not anyone's known for it, but we really rarely have these kind of off the field issues. So not ideal when we're sitting on potentially a big season. Good to hear Herbie's on board uh, once again. We're going to have to find a way to win that Big Ten title game. It's been a uh, struggle, and, and beating Ohio State, especially, we've, we've played with them, but we just haven't been able to, to, to close them out. Their athletes have been just too much in the end. So hopefully, this year is different.
1: Nice you to know, Gino me. and I have been chomping at the bit to talk a little bit of college football, but we're uh, going to be running short on time here. So why don't we start with race six at Saratoga on Saturday? Well, actually, actually, Mikey, let me do, let's do this then because the Jerkins and the personal
2: ensign, like the Jerkins, is going to be promise fulfilled in Frenzy Fire. It's probably going to be pretty chalky. Personal ensign, you have Abel Tasman, Elate, Farrell. Uh, uh, you have a couple millionaires in there, some really nice ones, but. As far as the betting is concerned, I think we'll have a little bit more fun if we can focus on the pick-four
3: races, which starts with the ballerina. Is that right, Scott? Yeah, there's a a number of of juicy horizontal sequences, Gino, um, but the one that I think will will be most important to talk about or entertainment-wise is... Uh, the one that starts in the eighth. It's a million-dollar guaranteed pick for all grade one races. Starts with the ballerina in the eighth. Like you said, it has the four-go as the ninth. It has the sword dancer as the tenth. And, of course, the travers as the 11th. So I'm all game to talk about that.
2: Yeah, and, and the ballerina, it's one of these races where – You have some good, good fillies and mares that are just horses that kind of fly under the radar a little bit. Lewis Bay, Finley's Charm, and Highway Star, they're kind of all in the same boat in that they're very consistent, right around the million mark in earnings. They really always show up and give a good account of themselves, and I think those are probably a lot of the horses that'll take the most focus in this race.
3: Yeah, there are some hard knockers in here. Finley's Lucky Charm probably tops that list. 11 for 17. Hard to knock that. Brett Calhoun's done such a good job with this mare. And she comes off that win in the honorable miss over the racetrack. It was a good going that day. and It was a five-horse field, and it was nothing like the caliber of field that she's going to face this time. But she's definitely one to consider. Um, Ivy Bell for Todd Pletcher will cut back to, to, to one turn after, uh, I'm not sure, I guess they wanted to give the mile and an ace a chance, but this horse has always been a one turn horse to me and should be set for a much better effort. She did kind of make a move against Farrell in the shoe but that was a wired wire to victory. So she was against the flow. And like I said, she's just a better horse at one turn. But to me, this race is all about Marley's freedom. Uh, We know Bob Baffert loves winning on big days, and we also know that he doesn't have anybody in the Travers this year. So something tells me he's going to win one or two on the undercard. He's done this in the past. And this horse has always shown a a lot of talent. Uh, It was Richard Baltus for a brief time, and then Bob Hess Jr. Um, And she always, like I said, showed some talent. She put up a couple triple-figure speed ratings. Uh, earlier in the year, but then Baffert took, uh, w- was given her, and she's been awesome ever since. Uh, the, her career best effort was in the grade three Desert Stormer when she was bet down to four to five and, and ran off the screen, winning by seven and a quarter lengths. And then she moved backwards in terms of numbers in the grade lady M, but still was very convincing at one to five. And the Los Alamitos races can always be a little tricky in terms of speed figures, but I think she draws real well. I think she's razor sharp. She gets Mike Smith, who... This just in. He, he wins some big races from time to time, and uh, I'm expecting Marley's Freedom to get the right trip, and I, and I think she's going to be my single in this sequence.
1: Moving on to race nine in the card, the 4 contested at seven furlongs, also a grade one for $600,000. City of Light is a nine-to-five favorite. McCarthy isn't necessarily a uh, nationally known trainer, but I love that California speed coming into uh, New York. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, Mike. I thought this race was a little more wide open than the other one. I mean, City of Light is probably the most talented horse. Has put forth uh, four straight triple-digit um, ResNet speed ratings. He, he draws well to the outside. He's definitely the most talented horse. Just a couple of concerns. Not that I think he's you know vulnerable per se, but at the price, I'm, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be all in on him by any any respect. He comes. He's been off a three month freshening. Uh, McCarthy is only 7% in his last 45 starts off a 90-day or plus layoff. And he's shipping to Saratoga, which can always be tricky. We know it's the graveyard of favorites. And he's coming out of a mile and eighth and a mile and a quarter races before that. So if City of White is up close to the pace early and can avoid being too far back off the break, I think he has a real big chance to outfinish this group. But there are some hard-knocking sprinters in here. And I'm just not willing to go all in on the favorite. Uh, You know, CZ Rocket ran huge at Churchill in the Kelly's Landing, winning by four lengths against the likes of Warriors Club. Um, If he can replicate that effort, he'll be a major player and might be tough to beat. And then you have horses like Limousine, Liberal, Whitmore, uh, Warriors Club, who just give it their all just about every time. And I just don't want to dismiss them uh, at a big price to a horse coming off the bench. And if you're looking for another horse that could um, potentially pull uh, the upset, number five, no dozing, really ran well last time in his first start as a four-year-old for Arno de la He did get a perfect trip, but it was over the Saratoga surface. Uh, maybe, he can, uh, maybe he'll be better at four than he was at three and be able to continue to move forward or at least replicate that effort and be in the mix. So long story short or short story long, uh, I, I think this is a spread race that we're maybe we can be one of the favorites.
2: And then the second half of the pick four sequence goes to the sword dancer. I think David Aranya, who makes the uh, Aragona. I, I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly. Who makes the morning lines for the NYRA. He said I, this, this race and the ballerina were the most difficult for the morning lines. Because the sword dancer is one of those head scratchers, Scott. We have about three, four minutes left in the show. So we'll try to hit this quick and then get to the Travers. But to me, this was a really, really difficult race where you have a bunch of horses between seven to two and ten to one.
3: Yeah, I don't think there's any standouts in here, Gino. I did notice that there wasn't a ton of early speed, so I'd be a little reluctant to rely on a lot of the closers in here. Spring quality ran huge in the Manhattan and won the race, but it was a blanket finish. He's probably a use. Fantastic's an up-and-comer that won the grade one United Nations in his first graded start for Chad Brown. He'll be prominently placed and is probably a use. And if you're going to use a horse from off the pace, you've got to probably use Sadler's Joy from the outside. Two for five at Saratoga with two-thirds, ultra-consistent, always gives it at all. The question is, will he have enough pace?
2: And then we move to the big one, uh, the Travers, which will close out the pick-four sequence, the Midsummer Derby. Uh, you'll li- Likely, the conversation at least starts with good magic in that if you're a good magic fan or not, he's, he looks like the horse to beat in here.
3: He certainly is the horse to beat, and, and man, he's put together a really nice career and really kind of not gotten as much credit as maybe he deserves. A because of justify, and B there's just always seemed to be some doubters. He really ran well in the Haskell, which is not a you know it was not a surprise. He was one to two and got the perfect trip. There's not a lot to, to really dislike about this horse, but the one concern I have is I'm still not still not you know I still don't think he's a mile and a quarter horse. I know Brown is. Way back, I thought that he was a miler, miler in a sixteenth, miler and an eighth type. And I still think that he ran huge in the derby, but, he, you know, he didn't finish with tons of run. I think he's going to run his race on Saturday. I just think there's going to be one or two better than him. So more of like an underneath key to me. And at the price, maybe you just try to beat him in the horizontals.
1: So do you have a pick four ticket that you can uh, lay out for us?
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I I should have the the. It's at the in terms of written. You can find it on my Twitter. Probably later today. It's in the editing uh, portion of the company, but uh, right now. But um, I'm gonna in the eighth race. I'm gonna single the seven Marley's Freedom. In the ninth, I would use as many as you can. As I mentioned, I'm gonna use the one Limousine Liberal, the three Whitmore, the five No Dozing, the six Easy Rocket, the seven Warriors Club, and the eight City of Light. In the tenth, I'm going to go three deep with number two Spring Quality, number three Fantastic, and the outside horse who I mentioned, number ten Sadler's Joy. And then I think I'm going to go four deep in the in the Travers. I'm going to use both Chad Brown horses, number three Gronkowski and number nine Good Magic. And then my price horses, if you will, will be number eight Mendelssohn, who I still think has the upside to win a race like this, even though he's been a little disappointing. And then the horse you mentioned, Mike uh, to Caleb, number ten Tenfold. I just I think that this, I'm going to give him one more chance to prove he can win a race of this caliber. I, I, he was green in that last race in the Jim Dandy, but I think he got spooked or saw something. I don't, I don't necessarily think that he's still learning that much. So I think he could get a great trip, but I'm not going to let Santana and Aspison
1: beat me. Sounds good. $48 ticket there. We'll see who can outcap the shop. <laughs> we, we, we're up against it here, but why don't you quickly tell uh, the, the listeners out there how they can follow you?
3: Yeah, you can follow me uh, at my Twitter, at scottshap34. And then all of my work is either on twinspires.com or betamerica.com, both under the news feed where I write uh, about four to eight articles a week, depending on the week. And then starting with the NFL, you'll be able to find a few articles a week on Bet America there as well as we're starting to uh, kick into the sports betting scene here.
2: Love seeing you getting getting more and more pub, buddy. You're doing a great job, man. Keep up all the hard work. We love having you on.
1: And he's doling out winners. Del Mar, nice score the other day. So, excellent work. He's a great follow. I encourage anybody who's not following him to get on board because Scott's going to make you a little few bucks here and there. So, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the Travers weekend. We always love having you on, my friend.
3: Thanks, guys. Good talking to you. We'll talk soon. Good luck. Likewise. Awesome stuff, man.
1: Great Gina, show today, show. Mikey. Yeah, yeah, great
3: show. We hit,
2: we hit the Urban Meyer stuff. We didn't get a lot to talk a lot about baseball, but there's no, still a and left. I laid out so, so many different week, topics
1: that I wanted yeah. to get to. But we'll have to maybe uh, save them for next week. And we have next week, seconds. we're going to have a fun
2: show. Yeah, we're yeah. going to put out some tweets. So follow along because it's going to be Mike and I. And we're going to answer all of your
1: questions in a little, a little bio. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us, everyone. Have a tremendous sports weekend. Make a few bucks on the Travers. See you same time, same place next week.
0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.